Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. Hello, we're really glad to have everyone joining us again today for our online worship here at uh, Bay Ridge Christian Church. We're missing being together, but during uh, the current shutdown uh, related to the coronavirus, uh, we're following the instructions that are being given to us by the medical and governing authorities. Uh, And we're glad to be able to gather online like this. Um, If you're new and have never been around before, my name is Brett Hicks. I'm one of the elders at uh, Bay Ridge Christian Church, and we're really glad to have you joining with us. I also want to go ahead and say thanks again to all the people who are participating week after week, whether it's in praying or doing introductions or the people who are helping lead us in our singing and worship to God. Really appreciate that. And I also want to say to everyone in our congregation, we really appreciate the various ways people are staying in touch with one another, connect group leaders that are continuing to lead their connect groups, uh, people just serving in a variety of ways. And for everyone who has also been giving, uh, whether online or mailing in checks, we really, really appreciate it. You know, each week we're praying for our missionaries. Uh, and because the church has been faithful to continue giving throughout all of this, we're able to continue supporting our missionaries. We've been able to continue supporting the church staff who are working extra hard during this time trying to put all of this together. We've been able to to, uh, partner together with some other local churches on some projects helping people locally that are financially really struggling through all of this shutdown. Uh, And we're really grateful for all the giving that people have been doing. We encourage you to please continue uh, helping us to be able to help others. Well, this Sunday, we're going to continue with our uh, current series, which is a three-part series where we're looking at the final question in our catechism. Um, Based on the the question there, we're calling this my only comfort. Uh, This is week two of three. And we're going to be looking today at Matthew chapter 10, verses 28 to 31, and also Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30. Encourage you, you can look on in your Bibles or you can follow along here on the screen. We'll be using the New International Version. And so I encourage you to hear as we read God's holy and true word together. Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And then in Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. 
Well, most of you have probably heard of St. Patrick. We think of St. Patrick's Day, and we know that he's the patron saint of Ireland. Uh, if you notice right now, there's uh, coming onto the screen an icon, a portrait of St. Patrick, and there are several things to notice here. You notice Patrick's long hair and beard. He apparently was in a time of quarantine like we are and couldn't go to the barber, uh, couldn't keep himself groomed. Uh, now, I'm just joking, but if you notice here, Patrick uh, has his fingers held up in a certain way, and that is a sign of the Trinity. Uh, he's also got the clover, which, you know, tradition said he used to try and help explain the Trinity as kind of a, a metaphor, though it's inexact, uh, for the Trinity. Uh, and when we think of St. Patrick, uh, we've heard many, many stories, you know, how he chased the snakes out of Ireland. We did all this, but it's actually an incredible story. Patrick himself was not Irish. He was a young man in Britain. Some raiders from Ireland came over and captured him along with some others, and they carried him away to Ireland, and he became a slave. And during this time, he was a shepherd. He was out taking care of sheep. And though Patrick had known the Christian faith, uh, from his earliest days, he had never really responded to the gospel. But during this time of crisis, Patrick responded to the gospel. And as he was out taking care of the sheep, he heard a voice that told him, Arise and go down to the shore. Your ship awaits you. Uh, he took off on a perilous journey that uh, could have been in trouble if he had been caught, or it could have just been trouble from marauders or whatever, but when he got down to the shore, sure enough, there was a ship that was there, and Patrick got on board, and he sailed away to freedom. But after he had done so, and he received some training, he felt God calling him and telling him, I want you to go back to Ireland. Now, referencing back to uh, David's teaching last week, this is a time where we might have heard God's word and said, I I think I misunderstood you there, God. I'm, I'm, I think I just heard you telling me to go back to Ireland, the very people who had carried me away as a slave. I, I don't think you really want me to do that. I mean, if I go back, I'm a runaway slave. But Patrick actually followed God's word, and he did go back to Ireland, and he had an incredible effect. But he faced not only dangers from the fact that he was a former slave, Ireland at the time was in no way, shape, or form a Christian country. Uh, the gospel had made very little penetration into Ireland. In fact, the majority religion was being led by what were known as the Druids. It was very much a nature-based uh, religion, uh, kind of a lot of witchcraft that went on, and they were very set against Patrick. Also, many of the kings were set against Patrick. He was in daily danger throughout his life with people threatening him, people challenging him, and yet he followed God's call, he went back, he faced these dangers, and at the end of Patrick's life, you know, with a, with a bit of hyperbole, but it was stated that when Patrick went into Ireland, there were no Christians, and by the time Patrick had died, there was no one who was not a Christian. Um, Certainly there's some hyperbole there, but Patrick had a massive influence on the country. How do you receive a call like that and face daily danger? How does one live with, with courage and also comfort when you realize that any day could be your last day?
Well, I want us to take a look at this as we look at the fact that Patrick did this because he understood God's sovereignty and God's power. This is referenced back to question 98 of our catechism that we're going through, and I encourage you to look at it here on the screen again, because we're asked in this question, knowing all these things, what is your only comfort in life and death? And the answer is that I with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins. And this is the part we're going to look at today. And delivered me from all the power of the devil, and so preserves me that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that all things must work together for my salvation, and therefore by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me sincerely willing and ready from this day forth to live unto him. So we're going to see how we, in understanding these things, can receive the courage and comfort that St. Patrick did, and so therefore we can follow God's call whatever the times in which we find ourselves. Now, first off, notice in this question we're, we're understanding God's sovereignty to deliver. There's three areas of God's sovereignty we're going to look at today. And first is God's sovereignty to deliver. In the question, notice this phrase, uh, which, is, which is highlighted up on the screen. He delivered me from all the power of the devil. Notice we're understanding here in this answer that Jesus has delivered me not from some of the power of the devil, but from all the power of the devil. That everything Satan would throw against me, Jesus has in fact delivered me from this. This is a reference to the fact that God is sovereign over the devil. Now last week we looked at several aspects of this. The devil's power to accuse us, the devil's power to persecute us, and in fact, the devil's power in death. And Jesus has delivered us from all of these. When Satan accuses us, the blood of Christ pleads in our behalf. Jesus stands as the great high priest at the right hand of God, pleading for us against the accusations of the devil. And when Satan comes to persecute us, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, uh, verses uh, 31 to 39, that it does not matter. We can face death all day long. We are like sheep to be slaughtered because nothing, no persecution, no sword, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And even if we die, even if our physical life is taken, Paul says that we are more than conquerors. Everything the devil can bring against us, Jesus is sovereign over that. He has delivered us from all this power of the devil. Now, friends, this is an expression of the sovereignty of God. And it's important for us to understand God is not engaged in a back-and-forth battle with the devil. It's not like one day God's winning a little bit and the next day the devil's winning a little bit. But back-and-forth, God may be getting the upper hand most of the time, but there's a real struggle going on here. Note, the Scripture is clear. All authority, all power, all sovereignty belongs to our God. Our God rules and reigns over everything. And this is something that can give us this courage and this comfort like St. Patrick had. Now, 
This isn't just in our catechism. We're basing this upon the scripture. So notice in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus tells us, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, Jesus here references and says, look, there are people who can kill the body, but you don't need to be afraid of them. And there are many things or many people who could actually have a, a power and, and are able to take our physical life. For example, Satan, as we just mentioned a moment ago, can work. He can work through others to see that we are persecuted, that our life is taken, or it just could be working through an evil person who robs us and, and shoots us at the end. He could work to have our body killed, but Jesus says, don't fear him because he can kill the body, but he doesn't determine the fate of your soul. Secondly, wicked humans can come in. Not only Satan, just, just human beings being evil could come and could kill our body. Somebody could break into my house tonight and kill me, but Jesus says, don't fear them. Don't live in fear of that situation because that doesn't determine your soul. Thirdly, as we're facing right now, we live in a world full of illnesses, viruses, bacteria. One could, you, you, you could become completely afraid where you would never want to go out of your house again if you started thinking about all of the bacteria and viruses that exist around us daily, all of the diseases that are out there, all of the ways that you and I could be killed. But Jesus says, don't worry about any of those. They may be able to kill the body, but they can't determine the fate of your soul. And so he says, you need to fear the one who can not only kill the body, but after that could cast the soul into hell. That's the one you need to fear. And he's speaking here of God. Now, Jesus is telling us this not because physical death is unimportant. It is important, obviously. It's something that has to be grappled with. But the reality is that physical death is a fundamental fact for all of us. No matter how far we have come with our technology, no matter how much our medical system has improved, that our food has improved, and we have vaccines and all of these kinds of things now, the fact is we are all going to die. Our life may have been extended, but we are all going to die. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 puts it this way, man is destined to die once, and after that, to face judgment. You've all heard the phrase, you know, there's two things that are sure in life, you know, taxes and death. You, you, you can't escape taxes and death. Well, the fact is there are many people who actually do escape taxes. They do tax evasion. They try and get away. They shelter the money somewhere. You might escape taxes, but friend, you are not going to escape death, nor am I. It is appointed unto man once to die. Every human being is going to die. No matter what we do to try and extend it and work on it, and I'm grateful for all of those things. It may not be the coronavirus. It may be something else. It might just be old age. You might live to your 110. But you and I are going to die. And there is a second thing that's going to happen. Okay, it's not death and taxes. It's death and judgment. Every one of us is going to die. And every last one of us 
is going to stand before God's judgment throne. And this is why Jesus says, you don't need to fear those who can kill the body because your body's going to die anyway. It is eventually going to happen as a result of the fall. We humans are mortal and we are going to die. This mortal body is going to die one way or another. It might be through an accident. It might be through old age. It might be through a disease. It might be through murder by someone. It could be from all sorts of things like this that might happen. But one day we're going to die. But there's another certainty, which is we are all going to be raised and we're going to stand in front of God as our judge. So we need to fear God because of that. But here's the good news for those of us who are in Christ. If you are in Jesus Christ, you have already been delivered. This is what we looked at last week. We can have comfort even in the face of our own physical mortality because, and we can have comfort in the face of standing before God, the holy judge. Not because I've been pure, but because Jesus Christ has already delivered me. By his blood, he has delivered me. And so God's verdict for you and me as believers has already been pronounced. We no more need to fear that verdict than we would fear watching a movie where we already know the outcome. If you are in Christ, you know the outcome. And the outcome is not guilty. The outcome is, in fact, totally righteous. Given the righteousness of Christ, that is what God has done. That judgment has already been secured by Jesus Christ. Now see, this is why St. Patrick knew he could face Druids and he could face kings, because he knew that God was sovereign. He knew one day he was going to die. All those kings or Druids could do is be the means by which his physical death was going to come. But they could not control the fate of his soul. That was in the hands of God, and that had already been determined by Jesus Christ. And therefore, Patrick could be bold, and Patrick could have comfort even in the worst moments. Because no matter what was going on around him, he knew his destiny was secure. So first, we can have comfort because God's sovereignty to deliver. Secondly, there is God's sovereignty to preserve. So notice that the catechism question goes on and it says that we can not only have comfort in life and death because uh, he's delivered me from all the power of the devil, but secondly, because he so preserves me that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. God has not only delivered us, he preserves us. And notice Jesus here, or, or in the catechism we're pointing out, and we're going to see how it comes from a saying of Jesus, it references our heavenly Father. You're not preserved by some blind cosmic force. You're not preserved by someone or something that is far away. It is by your Father who loves you, who cares for you. He is the one who preserves you. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, our judge has become our Father. And his love sovereignly watches over us to keep us until he takes us to be with him. So we don't know the time or date of our death, but we know this. 
until that moment, we are preserved and watched over and kept by our loving Father. God's sovereignty preserves us as his child. Let's go back to our text. Notice in Matthew 10, 28 to 31, we read, Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. But Jesus now tells us something special about this. He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. See, Jesus says, look, if you wanted to have fear, you should have fear of God because he can not only kill your body, he can assign your soul to hell. But you don't have to fear in that way that you might fear other people. We, we certainly fear God. We have that true, pure fear of the Lord. But he says, look, you need to understand, the one who controls your soul, your eternal destiny, he loves you. And Jesus, as he so often does, takes an analogy from everyday life. He says, look, you, you can buy two sparrows in the marketplace for a penny. They're worth nothing. But I tell you, they can't fall to the ground. Not one sparrow that's only worth half a penny can possibly die apart from the will of your heavenly Father. God is sovereign even over the life of the sparrow. Friends, this is divine sovereignty. Even the worthless sparrows are under the sovereign care of God. And Jesus goes on, he says, look, you are worth more than many sparrows. If God's sovereignty extends down to the life of a sparrow, don't you think it covers your life? Don't you think that God is watching and care, caring for you? And Jesus goes on and says, look, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, for some of us, that's less of a promise than for others, perhaps. For some of us, it's easier for God to count the hairs on our head than for others. But nonetheless, whether your hairs are few or they are many, God knows them all. And Jesus is here telling us, look, if God even keeps up with the numbers of hairs on your head, don't you think he's watching over your life? Do you think you escape his notice? Do you think that somehow you are outside his preserving love and care? Child of God, Christian, hear me in this. You never escape God's notice. Not for one day, one hour, one minute, one fraction of a second are you outside the loving notice of your heavenly Father. Child of God, the very hairs of your head, all of your days are numbered before God, so you do not need to fear. See, this is why Patrick could face danger and death, because he knew that God had counted the very hairs on his head. He knew that God was watching over the sparrows of the field. His days were not going to be determined by some pagan king or by some druid priest. They were in the loving hand of God. He was being watched over and cared for by God. So Patrick with abandon could give himself to serve 
God because God was the one who was watching over him and God was going to keep him until his mission was accomplished. That sparrow was not falling to the ground and Patrick was not falling to the ground until his mission was accomplished. Thirdly, God is not only sovereign to deliver and to preserve, but he is sovereign to save eternally. There is God's sovereignty to save eternally. Notice the catechism question goes on to speak of, indeed, that all things must work together for my salvation. Not just that God is numbering the hairs of my head, but everything that happens is working together for my salvation. God doesn't just work to deliver and save us in this life. He is saving us eternally. Now, what this means is everything the devil, evil men, diseases caused by viruses or bacteria are doing, all they can do is work together for our eternal salvation. If the devil takes you on as a special case tomorrow, if all the people around you decide to come after you, if every disease known to humanity comes after you, all they can do is conspire together to work for your eternal salvation, to work for your good. Friends, this is rock solid comfort. God is working in everything to work it to my eternal salvation. Now, notice this is in our text in Romans chapter 8. We're actually just backing up a couple of verses uh, to, to read up to where we started last week. And notice here in Romans 8, 28 to 30, he tells us, we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. This is where that phrase, all things work together, actually comes from, is this verse here in Romans 28. This is where it's found in Scripture. And I want you to see, this is not some Pollyanna positive thinking. Well, somehow, cosmically, things are going to work out. It is a statement that God himself is actively at work, making sure that everything that comes our way, no matter who is trying anything to us, God is at work saying, I'm the filter through which this goes, and when it comes out the other side, I have decreed it will be for the good of my child. I have decreed that it will be for the good of them and their eternal salvation. Friends, that is comfort. Notice here in this text, this is what some have referred to as the golden chain of salvation. It goes from eternity past to eternity future, from election all the way to glorification. We have been foreknown, predestined, uh, called, justified, and Paul says your glorification, he speaks as if it's already happened. All those other things are in the past. 
We were foreknown uh, in eternity past. We were called when the Holy Spirit worked and brought us to Christ. We were justified at the moment of our salvation. But Paul speaks of glorification in the same way as if it's already been accomplished. And here's why. Because God is going to save and preserve you and me so that it is as good as done. As the child of God, your glorification is as certain as your justification, as your calling, as uh, you being predestined and known and loved by God. And it is all certain because it doesn't depend on you or me. See, if my comfort depends on me and my faithfulness, it's not much of a source of comfort. If it depends on my wisdom and my knowledge and my ability to handle all things, there's not much comfort there because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But see, our comfort comes from the fact that it's not based on us, our character, our faithfulness. Rather, it is based on God's sovereign power and God's faithfulness. Jesus speaks of this a couple of times, uh, actually many times, but a, a couple of them we'll look at in John chapter 6, verses 39 and 40. Hear Jesus' words. He says, This is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus here is speaking of the same thing that Paul is saying. He's saying, look, the Father has given you to me. And when, when you are God's chosen, when God foreknew you and gave you to me, when you are part of God's elect people, you can know this. I will not lose you. It's not up to you to not lose me. I'm not going to lose you. The will of the Father is to never lose one of his people. And Jesus Christ has secured that will. He secures it and he says, not only that it began, but I am going to raise you up at the last day. It, don't fear those who can kill the body because your eternal salvation, your eternal security is in my hands, not the hands of anyone else. In John chapter 10, he picks up the same idea. And he says this beginning at verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Hear the comfort. Jesus says, I know my sheep. You are, as a child of God, you are not going to come to Jesus and have him say, I'm not sure who you are. He knows you. You are part of his flock. And he gives you eternal life. Not one of Jesus' flock will ever perish. And Jesus says, here's how you can know this is going to happen. Because if you're my sheep, you are in my hand. And no one is strong enough to snatch you out of my hand. See, the devil can conspire against you. He can work. Whatever goes on in this world can come against you, but they are running into Jesus Christ who says, I have them in my hand. And then as if that was not enough, Jesus says that the Father's hand is wrapped around his. And so, friend, you have a double security. You are in the hand of Jesus Christ, in the hand of God the Father, 
Jesus doesn't bring it up here, but you are being sustained and kept by the power of the Holy Spirit. The whole Holy Trinity is holding on to you and holding on to me so that we will be sustained. We will be kept until the day that Jesus raises us up and brings us before him. The Father and the Son are united in saving and keeping every single one of their sheep. So consider what all of this means. I, I speak now to those who are Christians. Christian, hear me. You were known and loved by the Father from before the foundation of the world. Christ died for you to bring you into his flock. And the Holy Spirit called and regenerated you so that you are now justified. And one day you'll be raised from the dead to receive a glorious eternal inheritance. And all of this is based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. It's not based on your ability. It's based on his. It's not that you can hold on to him through the good times and the bad. It's that he can hold on to you. It's not your strength. It's his strength. It's not your faithfulness. It's his faithfulness. Friends, that is rock-solid, unshakable confidence and comfort. This is the very sort of gospel. This is the truth that could propel Patrick to go back to a homeland and say, I may have been a slave, but I'm now the slave of Jesus Christ. I am his freed man. You may have the power of demons on your side, you druid priests, but I have the power of the living God. You kings may have temporal authority, but I am kept by the one who has eternal authority. You cannot alter what God has given me to do. You cannot alter my eternal security because it's in the hands of Jesus Christ and in the hand of God the Father. That's how you can live with abandon. That's what St. Patrick did, and it's the comfort and the call that God gives to us. Now, how do we apply this word? Real briefly, the first question, if you are here watching this, is have I come to Christ for this comfort? Make no mistake, this comfort that I'm speaking about is found only in Jesus Christ. The scripture holds out no other comfort. Every other source of comfort fails at the very point that Jesus stressed eternal life. I heard um, someone talking this week about uh, a uh, opinion piece that had been written uh, in, uh, I think it was the New York Times. It was also a commercial that came out and they had the same basic message, which is, look, you can trust in the rock solid foundation of science. Now I am grateful for science. But let me go ahead and make a prediction. Every person hearing my voice, watching this video, you're all going to die. Science is not going to change that. God may allow us to delay it a little bit longer, but if your comfort, if your foundation is science, you're in trouble. And if it's anything else, if it's religion, you're in trouble. If it's me, you're in trouble. But if your hope, if your comfort is in Jesus Christ, 
Well, you have a firm foundation. See, this virus has reminded us how vulnerable our supposed sure sources of comfort and strength are. I mean, our economy had been going gangbusters. The stock market was setting records and there was record low unemployment and we were in, we were in great times. And then we were reminded again how fragile all of that actually is. Our plans, we set up, we, we plan on things, we look forward to them, and then all of a sudden we realize, you know, as James says, who are you to say you're going to go do this or go do that? You, you, you're just a mere breath. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You need to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this. Well, this virus has reminded us how vulnerable all of that is, and it reminds us how vulnerable our physical life is. See? There are those who can take your life, and it includes a virus like this, but they cannot affect our eternal salvation. And therefore, Jesus says, you need to reckon not just with death, but what happens after death. That is the central issue, because friends, life is short, but eternity is long. And so, have you found your comfort in Jesus Christ? Because as this virus is showing, and there will be other things in the future, all other sources fail. They fail, if nowhere else, at the point of our physical death. But Jesus Christ has conquered death, and he has done it for us. So I want to encourage you, if you have not, Look to Jesus Christ for comfort and salvation today. If you want to learn more about this, you can reach out to us at brcc.church. You can find a place there on our website to contact us, and I encourage you to contact us. I would, I would be glad to talk with you more about the gospel, or if you are saying, I want this comfort, I want to live in this, to help you start growing in your Christian faith. But I urge you, look to Jesus Christ today. Secondly, I want to ask each of us, are we living in this comfort today? If you are a Christian and you say, yes, I've already responded to the gospel, am I living in this comfort each and every day? See, friends, this life is full of difficulty and stress and sickness and trial. This time that we're in right now is going to pass, and there will be other difficulties. There will be other sicknesses there will be other trials. It's not if, it's just which ones we happen to be going through at the particular time. Comfort is not found in circumstances, it's found in Jesus Christ. Let me say that again to us. Our comfort is not found in our circumstances. It is found in Jesus Christ. And this is not something that you or I have to grow into or earn, that this is a second stage of salvation, or once you reach a certain maturity level, you can have comfort. Before that, you can't. This is God's gift from the moment of your salvation. It is God's gift to us in Christ Jesus. But if we're going to live and die in this comfort, we need to let God's truth mold and shape us. 
not the cares and concerns of this passing age. Because if as a Christian, I find myself not living in comfort, not living with courage, like we've talked about with St. Patrick, but but rather, uh, you, know, you know, being distressed and, and being uncomfortable, uh, not having the strength of Christ in me, then that's a sure sign that what's molding and shaping me is the thoughts, the patterns, the ways of this passing age, rather than the truths of God's word. So, I want to encourage you as a reminder uh, to first off, memorize this catechism question and answer. Again, I, I wish I could take credit for all this. It's really out of Heidelberg catechism question one. It was their beginning question. We put it at the end. But friends, this is the truth of the eternal God. Knowing all these things, what is your only comfort in life and death? that I, with body and soul, am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood has paid for all my sins and delivered me from all the power of the devil uh, and so preserves me that apart from the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that all things must work together for my salvation. And therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me sincerely willing and ready from this day forth to live unto him. Friends, you need to memorize that. You need to have that there so it can sink deeply into your mind. I, I spoke in the after hours that came out this past week about why memorization is important. Let it get down and rewire the way you think. I want to encourage you, meditate and memorize and think through these great truths. Let these deep biblical truths mold your thoughts, fuel your affections, and govern your emotions. The more you meditate on these things, the more that will, that will govern the way that you think. It will mold the way you think rather than the way the world is telling you it is. You'll see it the way Scripture says it actually is. It, as we meditate on these truths, it fuels godly affections. It orients us towards the things that are really of lasting value rather than the things that are temporal. This world is trying to get your affections in mind. It's giving us fuel to have our affections pointed off in the wrong direction. But the more we meditate on these truths, the more we see what is truly important and the more we're drawn towards it. And meditation on these truths will govern our emotions so that they're not driven by every changing wind of circumstance. Again, what we're going through right now is going to pass. But there's going to be another challenge in the future. And if our comfort is based on our circumstances, we're going to live outside of comfort for most of our lives. But if it's being based upon the truths of God's Word and who we are in Christ and what God has done for us, then we can have comfort no matter what the ever-changing circumstances in the world around us are. So, I also want to encourage you this week to help you in doing this. We're including this week in the materials what's known as St. Patrick's Breastplate Prayer. Um, I encourage you to pray all or part of it uh, several days throughout this week or maybe every day. To, it wasn't actually written by St. Patrick probably, but it's kind of based on the ideas and the understanding of Patrick. And it, the idea was that he would, he, he would have this and speak these words 
for God's provision and power and protection over him and everything he was facing. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, I encourage you to re-listen to the worship songs that were there today that so accurately speak these truths to us. You can re-listen to them here on the video from, from our own worship team, or you can go out with the Spotify playlist and hear some of the original recordings of them. But, but let that soak into you. Let God's truth soak deeply into you this week. Now, what we're going to do right now is we're going to conclude. They're going to come back and they're going to sing uh, the great song, Yet Not I, But Christ in Me. Friend, your comfort and my comfort now and in eternity, life and in death, is not based on me, but on Christ Jesus, in Christ in me. So let's sing and worship together, letting God's truth sink deep into us to, to mold our thoughts, fuel our affections, and govern our emotions. Well, thanks again to Anne and Renee for leading us in that great song. Uh, I pray that its truths are sinking deep into your soul. Let's conclude with a brief prayer and then a word of benediction. Father, as we just sang, what gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. Father, to this we hold. Our hope is only Jesus, for our life is wholly bound to his. Oh, it's strange and divine, but we can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Father, our comfort in this life and even as we face our death is not in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ. I pray for everyone who is here listening. Father, if they have not looked to you for salvation in Jesus Christ, I pray by your Holy Spirit. You would open their eyes and draw them to Jesus Christ. Father, for those who are believers, I pray your Holy Spirit would take these words I have tried to speak, Father, that the truths behind them would sink deep into the soul of each and every one of us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon us in fresh power, that your Spirit would fasten to us this comfort in our life and in our death, and that therefore, with comfort and courage, with holy boldness, we would live each and every day in all that you have given us in Jesus Christ. I pray this in his name. Amen. Well, friends, I'm going to conclude with a benediction. And it's uh, this week, rather than being a scripture, I'm going to take part of that breastplate prayer of St. Patrick's. Uh, I've paraphrased it a little bit into a blessing, but I want to encourage you to receive from this encouragement and comfort and also power and provision and protection from our God so that you might live in this comfort this week. May Christ be your shield today. Christ before you, Christ behind you, Christ beneath you, Christ above you, Christ on your right, Christ on your left, 
May Christ be with you. Christ be in you alone and in multitude, near and afar, for all you face and for all your life, that you may live in the protection, power, and provision of the Holy Trinity. Friends, live this life in that comfort, and as you are blessed, be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.